Matthew 14, beginning with verse 22. I wanted to look at uh, this. Uh, Can you walk with Jesus through the storm? Okay. I don't know how you feel. I feel like we're in a a storm in our church. That's why we're having that prayer meeting, even though uh, we rescheduled it. And uh, I think we're having a storm across our nation with everything that's going on. So, Matthew fourteen twenty two. Now, Jesus has fed the 5,000. Okay, and then he says immediately in verse 22, he made his disciples get into the boat. Now, notice he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And then he said what he was going to do. He didn't tell them how he was going to get there. He said, y'all go. I'll be there. Then he said, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. In other words, there's a storm. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 and 6 a.m., y'all, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! That's my best impression of Baptists seeing a ghost. Except we'd be running while we said that. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him saying, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Hmm. He said, Come. When Peter come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Somebody say, Amen. Peter was a sharp cookie. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, which I think meant that's how close he was. He walked on the water almost all the way to Jesus. Think about that. He stretched out his hand, caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When he got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the Sunday school hour. Thank you for the music. Lord, thank you for the fellowship and the smiles and just being able to be in your house. Lord, we just ask that you would continue to bless us with your presence. Lord, you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. You've promised that where two or three are gathered in your name, in the precious name of Jesus, that there you are in our midst. So we know you're here. Now, Lord, don't just be here, but touch our hearts. Still our minds. Speak to our ears so that we would understand and hear and obey you today. If, there's not, if there are some that have never accepted Jesus Christ publicly as our Lord and Savior, Convict them about their need to do that this very hour before it's everlastingly too late. Lord, other spiritual decisions need to be made, so you have your way with us. Speak to us as only you can in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a guy named Jim, and he was in town, and he ran into his pastor. Jim hadn't seen his pastor in a while, which tells you he hadn't been in church in a while. As they began to say, Jim said, you don't know what kind of year I've had. He began to litany this whole list of problems. And he just on and on and on he went and finally said, Pastor, I'm here to tell you it's enough to make a man lose his religion. Pastor looked at him straight in the eye and quietly said, Jim, seems to me 
it's enough to make a man use his religion. I think he had it right because you see, Jesus is completely trustworthy in our difficulties. Jesus is completely trustworthy in our difficulties. And so, notice some things about this passage. In verses 22 through 24, notice Christ's knowledge. It says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. First thing I want you to know about Christ's knowledge is Jesus knew the difficulty was coming. Did you hear that? Jesus knew the difficulty was coming. And yet he still sent his disciples into the sea to the wind and the waves. You see, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. John chapter 6 verse 15 says the crowd wanted to make him king. So instead, this king, the knowledge, he didn't want that spreading to his disciples. He loads him in a boat and says, get. And then he disperses the crowd. Y'all go home. We're not going to do this king stuff. You see, he didn't come to be a physical king. He was already the king of everything. He came to be the savior of the world. And in his knowledge, he knew what they wanted to do. He dismisses them. Since there, he goes up there on that high mountain, and he's praying. He's left alone. Now, notice the disciples did just what he said. He said, get in the boat. What did they do? Okay. Let's try that again. Are you all asleep? Jesus said, get in the boat. What did they do? He said, go to the other side. What did they do? They headed out to the other side. Now, you would think that when you obey Jesus... Smooth sailing. When you're just doing what he tells you to do, everything goes okay. I want you to know nothing could be further from the truth. You need to understand that faithfulness and obedience doesn't grant us immunity from trouble. Faithfulness and obedience does not grant us immunity from trouble. Rather, oftentimes, it often guarantees it. You understand that Jesus saw the storm was coming. He knew it. (laughs) Do we understand that? We need to understand he knew it was coming. He knew the difficulty was there, and yet he still sent them out into it. Sometimes God is going to know in your path of life that the difficulty, the storm is coming. Did you hear me? But he's wanting to grow your faith and my faith. He's wanting to harden us like diamonds so that we shine for his glory. And so he puts us in the pressure cooker to see how we're going to handle it. Are we going to quit? Do we have real faith? Do we keep on? Do we back up? Do we make excuses? Do we get mad at God? What are we going to do? See, nothing, if you think about the providence of God, escapes his notice or his knowledge. I want you to know God knows everything. If he doesn't know everything, he's not really God. Well, why did he let that happen? That's in his providence. I can't answer all those questions. I just know that we live in a sin-filled world and sometimes bad things happen. And in your, when you're in the center of God's will and that comes through his will and his love, he's going to turn that to something good. That's what Romans 8, 28 says, right? We know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We don't always understand his purpose, but according to his purpose, he's going to bring glory to himself through our circumstances if we'll surrender. 
if we'll go on through it. We need to understand that. But the second thing under under this Christ knowledge, not only did he know the storm was coming, he sees us when we cannot see him. Now, did you get that? He sees us when we cannot see him. I mean, in the midst of that circumstance, when you're looking around, you think God has bailed, you think God has left you, you think God doesn't love you. He sees us even when we can't see him. I'm going to read Mark chapter 6, verse 48. It's, a, it's a, the same account of, of this. In 48, it says, he was alone on the land in 47. Then it says, he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by, but they cried out. You see, they couldn't see Jesus anymore. There's the wind blowing, the waves are going, the storm is coming, it's happening. Jesus is up there on the mountain and in his divine knowledge, he looks down and he sees them having trouble in the middle of the sea with the waves and the wind and they're getting upset. In the middle of your circumstance, don't you think God doesn't see you? He knows where you are. He's right there with you. Even when you can't see him, he sees you. He who watches over the sparrow and knows when everyone drops, knows every problem you have. He who took the time to number the very hairs of your head knows when you're in trouble. And he sends angels, I believe, to minister to you. It may take them a little while to get there. Because when you read Daniel, it took a while for Daniel's angel to get there to help him. Do you remember that story? If not, look it up in your Bibles. Do we understand that? He sees us in the midst of that circumstance even when we can't see him. Do you realize they'd already been through this once? They shouldn't be upset. In Matthew 8, we have him calming the storm. Remember, he was in the back of the boat sleeping, and the storm comes, and the water's getting in the boat. And one thing I know about boats, water's supposed to be outside, not inside. That's very intellectual, isn't it? Say yes, just help me feel better, okay? That's the one thing I know about boats. Water doesn't supposed to be in the boat. It's supposed to be out of the boat. I thought that was an astounding discovery, but evidently everybody else already discovered that. But hear me, he gets up and he rebukes the wind and think it becomes perfectly calm. They say, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They had already been through it. So what's the difference? That was daylight and he was with them. This is dark and he's not there. You see, even when we can't see him in the difficulty, he sees us. He knew, do you hear me? He knew what was going to happen and he could see what was happening? You see, it's like uh, another young man, and he had invested everything he had in a, in a peach orchard. And uh, everything was going fine. He had the most beautiful crop of peaches. He's going to be able to pay off his farm and his debts and, and start living the life he'd always wanted to live. And you know what happened? A hard frost came and killed all the peaches. He just gave up church, gave up everything. The pastor went to him and said, I'm not ever coming back. The pastor said, Why? He said, well, God didn't even care enough to help me to keep my peaches from freezing and me going bankrupt and all this. Why in the world would I want to do that? He let all my peaches get killed by that frost. And the pastor said this to him. Frost is not good for peaches, but it's often good for men. You need to understand God is not in the business of growing peaches. He's going in the, in the business of growing men. If you really had faith, you'd still have faith. 
You go through, and your faith is tested. And when you have faith on the other side, you really have faith. Those that go through it and don't have faith on the side never had faith to begin with. John says they went out from us to prove they were never part of us. Read First John. Boy, that's awful harsh, Brother Gary. Read your scripture. If you really get Jesus once, you can't ever get away from him. If you really get Jesus, he's always there. If you really get Jesus, you continue to believe on him through life's difficulties. So, he sees us even when we can't see him. The third thing under the truth is this. His knowledge is purposeful. His knowledge is purposeful. Jesus knew when he left the disciples what they'd be facing. Okay? Now, that was not only in the boat, but think about it. He knows he's going to leave them as far as his physical presence, and he's not going to be there for them to see him. Now, he's going to leave them the Holy Spirit, which he's going to teach them about later. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and help them. But his physical presence is gone. They're going to have tribulation and trials and darkness and all these things happening. And he knew that they needed to hand it now because it's going to get worse after he left for good. Now, I want you to think about this. It says he went up on the mountain and he's praying. And that Mark 6 passage, it says he looks down and sees them. What do you think he was praying about? Because he looks down and sees him in a storm. He looks down and sees him having trouble. He looks down there in danger. What do you think the Savior was praying about? Their faith would grow and that they would be protected. Now that's my interpretation. The scripture doesn't spell it out. But I know that's at least one thing he was doing. Because why would it tell us that he's up there praying. He's left all alone. I'm sure he's praying about the kingdom work. And what the Father wants him to do. I'm sure that had priority. But here's a chance for his disciples to know who he really is once again. And he's praying for them in the midst of the storm. Do you not realize in the midst of our storms. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Interceding for us even now in the midst of the storm. That's what it says. So Jesus was raised in Romans 8, and he's even now at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Sometimes we need to hang on. Is it easy? No. Am I making slight of it? No. My Bible says, in the midst of my storms, in my darkest hour, Jesus is still there with me. He can see me when I can't see him, and he's interceding for me. He's praying for me that the Father's will will be done in my life. His knowledge is purposeful. I don't always understand God's knowledge and his ways. I wish I could tell you I did, but his ways are far above mine. I mean, who in the world would send their only son to a cross to a bunch of people who hated him to die for their sins, and that was their way of salvation? He couldn't have done it any other way? No. In his divine way, that's the way it was. And he willingly gave up Jesus for me and for you. Again, that Romans 8 passage, you need to read it. It says, he who gave up his only son, how will he not freely with him also give us all things whatsoever we need? You see, his knowledge is purposeful. We need to understand that knowledge. We need to trust in that knowledge. If God truly knows everything, and if he truly loves us enough to send Jesus down across in our place, and he does all of that, then sometimes, even when we don't understand, even when we can't see him, we have to trust him in faith and believe he has our best interest at heart. The second thing, the sight. We've talked a little bit about that. Verses 25 through 27. 
It says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke and said, Then be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. You see, the side is this. Jesus comes to them, but there was a, a delay. You know, the hardest thing for me as a pastor, maybe it's not for you, is to wait. Why is prayer such work? Because sometimes in our prayer lives, we have to wait. It takes years and years of prayer to see things happen sometimes. But God may delay, but he always helps us. And that delay just allows us to grow and trust him as we walk with him. Here the disciples know that they're doing what God said. Why did Jesus send us out here? He helped us the last time we was in the storm. Why are we out here and he's not here? And they're rowing and rowing and rowing and Jesus already seen them. And then they see him walking like a ghost. Woo! I'd be swimming for sure. But you see, he comes after that delay. It's always in God's timing. I think I was needing good news this week. And Miss Sandy, I'm going to share your story. Her brother, would a strange be a good word for that? Didn't like her. Always hostile. Never would say I love you. Her whole life. You can cry. It's okay. She called him for his birthday yesterday. Was yesterday. He had been saved. After all these years. 78 years old. Got saved. His whole demeanor had changed. He talked kindly to her on the phone. Was glad to talk to her. And before they hung up he said I love you. Now, if that don't give you goosebumps, your bumper is broken and you need your heart fixed. You understand that? But you see, she was waiting for Jesus to move, waiting for her prayers to be answered. And finally, at 78 years old, they're answered. Now, the second part of that side is this. Not only does he come after lay, he responds to our cry. See, Mark 6, 48 again says that Jesus was walking on the water. They were afraid, and he would have passed them by, but they cried out. How many times is Jesus waiting to hear from us, and we don't bother crying out because we don't believe he's going to help us, and he walks on by, and we missed it. And we're still in our pick on wondering why God's not helping us. We didn't ask, or we didn't ask for the right thing. Sometimes he's not going to get us out of the mess, so we go through the mess. Sometimes there's some purpose we may not understand, but God leaves us there because we need some more cooking time. And see, it's like cooking chicken. You don't want bloody chicken. If you do, something's going to happen to you. It's called salmonella. Some of us aren't cooked yet. See, He still responds to our cries today, too. The third thing on the site, Jesus assures hearts. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be of good cheer. It is I. They're rowing in this storm. They see somebody walking on the water. I mean, I'd have been freaking out. Some of you saying you wouldn't? I got news for you. Every once in a while, Galen and I hear the church ghost up here. There's a chair move up there. So here walking in the hallways. We run upstairs and look out all the windows. There's nobody there. It's time to leave. Amen, Brother Galen. 
He's up there laughing at me. You think I'm kidding? It's creepy. When I'm here by myself, I'm the biggest chicken there is. It's dark and cold. But here he is. He says, be of good cheer. It is I. You see, it works like this. We've seen a lot of hurricanes on the news lately. I assume you've been keeping up with that. Just to be a Category 1, they have to have a circling wind of at least 74 miles an hour, and they get way a lot better than that. And they tell me that hurricanes, and I don't ever want to be in one, that they relentlessly pound with water and surf, but the wind just never ceases unless you're where? Do you know where? Say that again. In the eye, in the very middle of the storm, there's an eye where it's just perfectly dead calm. And if you're there, the wind's not getting you. Now, hold on, because the eye's going to pass over. But you see, it's calm in the center, and the winds rage all around it. I want you to catch it. In the storms of life, even that we're going through right now, Jesus is to be the eye of the storm for us. The place where our hearts can become calm. The place where we have respite, even though the storms rage and swirl and roar all around us. And we need to ask, are we trusting Jesus for that? Verses 28 and 29 speak of our opportunity. That's the third point, our opportunity. 28 and 29. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And when Peter got out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes the storms are opportunity. But hear me. You're going to have an opportunity in the storm. You have to fix your eyes upon Jesus. Peter looks square at Jesus. And until he takes his eyes off, he's walking on water. Can you imagine that? Come on, church. That doesn't excite you. None of you ever wanted to walk on water? Think about it. Who needs a bass boat when you can walk on water? Don't have to worry about how high the White River is you can walk on water. Some of y'all are silly. Never thought about that before. But see, he could do it because he fixed his eyes upon Jesus. Now, that is so hard to do during the storm because the storm tries to command our attention. The storm tries to distract us. The storm tries to focus us on the problem rather than on the master, than the person and work of Jesus. But your opportunity, not only must you fix your eyes upon your boat, upon your Jesus, you have to get out of the boat. Now, think how much faith that required. The others may criticize Peter later on, but he was the only one that got out of the boat. He's the only one that had enough faith to say, Jesus, if it's you, I want to walk to you. Come on. And he does, but he had to get out of the boat. Let me tell you what that that means. It means in those opportunities during the storm, Jesus stretches us. Do you hear me? Stretches us beyond our comfort zone. Anybody know what a comfort zone is? Yeah, I like my comfort zone. I don't like you nudging me out of my comfort zone. I get cranky. Elizabeth says that's my nature anyway, so I get crankier. Yeah. Do you understand 
That is when God stretches us, that we grow. When we're uncomfortable and we're not in our comfort zone, we depend upon him because we're a little fearful. We don't know if we can do this. And that's right where God wants us because we're depending upon him and his spirit to lead us and guide us for the work to get done. Last point, number four. What is true victory? Look at verses 30 through 38. Or 29, I'm sorry. He said, come. Peter came down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to think, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? They got into the boat. The wind ceased. Those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What's true victory? You have to hold on to your faith. That's victory. You have to hold fast to it. You see, we need to understand that. Here, here, here's, here's a little phrase that sometimes I miss in that passage. He's lifting Peter up out of the water after he walked almost to him. You got the picture? He's got his hand. He lifts him up and they walk to the rest of the way to the boat. And he says, oh, you of little faith. If it took a little faith just to walk on water, how much faith do other things take? Have you ever thought about that? Some of the things we're facing take lots of faith. It takes lots of prayer. It takes lots of time with Jesus. I mean, does that not amaze you? Little faith. Didn't take much faith to walk out there to Jesus. I don't know in the middle of the sea if the waves are rolling and I've got to walk up and down. And if that takes a little faith, what takes a lot of faith? Some of us are in situations that require a lot of faith. We better be spending a lot of time with Jesus. You see, we have to hold fast to it. You see, what do the storms of life do for us? It's it's like, I grew up working in lumber yards. Worked for other people, worked for my dad, different different things. And, And, you know, we'd grade that lumber and select that lumber. But before you got to that process, they would sort through the logs that came in on the trucks. And I'd watch my daddy looking and sorting. We'd use those, those cant hooks and, and roll them over. And he'd look at them and he'd say, that one, that one, and that one. Those four just go into the, to the sawmill for something else. And those special ones, we'd wax the ends and water them so they wouldn't crack. And I said, Dad, what's, what's the difference? He said, they look the same to me. They're a log. He said, Gary, see those logs over there? Yeah. So they're all straight and pretty good. He said, but see, those grew up in the valley. They didn't have to fight any storms or anything else. Now, they'll make really good lumber, and we're going to make lumber out of them. But since these aren't quite as straight, but see how dense and compact the rings are and see how, how the grain is so that way? He said, that will make the best furniture in the world, beautiful furniture. He said, that grew up on the high hills where they had to battle the wind and the storms. When you battle the winds... And the storms, God is going to make your faith into great furniture for other people to see his work. That's victory. If we hold on to our faith. See, true victory is found in worshiping him in all of life's difficulties. Because as soon as this difficulty is over, all in the boat, Peter included, bow down and worship him saying, Truly you are the Son of God. 
Truly we gathered today together to worship the Son of God, the risen Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. But some haven't worshipped Him with their heart today. You haven't bowed your heart and accepted Him as Lord and Savior. Some haven't bowed their heart to say, this is where God wants me and I need to join this church, whether our baptism, statement, letter, whatever it takes. You need to come forward. Some need to come in rededication and say, you know, I think I've got the storms of life by the tail and all they're doing is spinning me around. You need to respond. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead the hymn invitation. You don't wait. You come on down the aisle. Father God, this is your time. It's holy time because you are here. And Father, we just ask that your will and only your will will be done. In Christ's name, amen.